Welcome to Remarkable Woman Radio. I am your host, Mandy Beverly. This is a podcast for women by women. As we know, a rising tide lifts all boats, but sometimes we know there can be a few stormy seas. So when the tough times happen, the proverbial hits the fan, what do you do? Who do you have to become in the process? That's the real story, and that's remarkable. We love to tell the story of women that are a few steps further ahead on their own entrepreneurial journey. They know exactly what it feels like to be where you are. So these women are not only paving the way for themselves, but they're also paving the way for the women that follow in their footsteps. This is Remarkable Woman Radio. Welcome along to Remarkable Woman Radio. My guest today is Linda Moore, and she is the money mentalist. And I'm very excited to talk to her today because she is telling us all about how to have better relationships with our money. And I know that um, Linda has been doing this for a while, and she's got lots of experience, and I'm sure she's got some very interesting stories to tell us about our relationship with money too. So welcome along to the show, Linda. Really lovely to have you here. Thank you very much for asking me. I'm I'm excited to be here. (laughs) Well, I'm excited to have you here because, as we know, relationships with anyone, but in particular money, can actually be quite a catalyst for stress in our lives, right? It can be very stressful. And I think it's really scary because about, well, anecdotally, about 80% of relationships that break up blame money. Ooh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So it it does have a huge impact, both positive and negative, um, on relationships, and it's just not talked about enough. You know, you're right, and I think you know a lot of people want to blame school and things like that that it's not oh. talked about in the school, but maybe it even goes back way further than that because our parents influence our beliefs around money and mm-hmm. the and advertising influences our belief. There's all sorts of different influences, don't you think? Yes, definitely. And I mean, our earliest influences on everything in life is, is always as children. And, and what we're certainly seeing coming through now is these parents who don't know how to manage money. So how can they teach their children how to manage money? And this is always the big question, you know, where does that responsibility lie? Personally, I don't think it is with the school because you've got the same thing there. You've got teachers who aren't trained and so they've got their their beliefs and things like that. And some of them will be great money managers, but they haven't got time. You know, they're struggling with their workload already to take on something as big as this. Is it the bank's responsibility? I don't think so. They've got a vested interest. And this is the problem. You know, who is out there to help? Who is there out there to talk to? about your own relationship with money, let alone being in relationship with somebody else in relationship with money. (laughs) That is a very good point, actually. (laughs) Not only, yeah, and then when you've got two different people and, you know, both with different upbringings now get together and they've got all their money issues that they've brought to the table, wow, that could be just a potential minefield, couldn't it? Well, it can be because you've actually got four of you in the relationship. You've got the two people and their relationship with money as well. Wow. Uh, (laughs) It it makes for fascinating, you know, when you actually talk to couples and you listen to some of the things that they're saying. And and I can listen to like a, a young couple in their 20s and go, that's your parents talking. That's not you. 
Um, and I did actually say to one couple, I said, when are you going to start living your own marriage, not your parents? And they were kind of like, oh, we hadn't thought about that. Wow. But, yeah, you know, they, they had financial expectations at the age of, you know, just under 30 to be at the same point that their parents were when their parents were 50. And they kind of put those on themselves. So imagine how much stress was going on in that relationship. Huge amount of stress. You know, even from my family, my dad was one of nine children whose father had died when he was 13. So the financial stress, so my dad's, I guess, story, there's never enough money or you've yep. got to be really careful with the money. And, and mm. I could see because that was part of his upbringing. And mm. so he probably attracted, you know, us kids that were like, oh, we want this and <laughs> try and do the balance. But, you know, it really it, it did teach us a lot as well. Um, but then we're all living in a different paradigm, a different lifetime as well. So yeah. keeping that relevance as you go and make, you know, as you talk about money must be really tricky. Yeah. Tell us how you got inspired, you know, how you got started as the money mentalist. Well, um, my background is as an accountant and I had my own accounting practice and I still love numbers. I love being an accountant, um, but I had a few, a huge frustration in my accounting practice that I was so busy with dealing with IRD deadlines, I couldn't deal with my clients as much as I wanted to. And for me, it was always about the people behind the business. And then what I started to notice is that when things happened in life, big events, both positive and negative, it had an impact on the business. And that got me curious as to, oh, this is interesting, what's going on here? And then when my own marriage broke up, even though I was an accountant, I did exactly the same as my clients. I had exactly the same thing. I stopped watching my numbers and, and it was like, oh, there's, there's more to it than this. So to cut a very long story short, um, I went to university and studied psychology purely out of curiosity. And, um, and after graduating um, with my diploma in psychology, I then was mentored and trained by Professor David Kruger in the States, who had by that stage done 25 years in money psychology and it was like that was just the, the key that was the bit that unlocked this whole other piece of accounting that I'd never been exposed to but was for me much more exciting than being an accountant so that's yeah that's really cool because it's not just on the numbers it's on the emotions that underlie the numbers or the beliefs and that is that is where the where the the real interesting side happens I mean numbers can reveal a lot to us but they can also reveal a lot of where the emotion is sitting as well yeah if, if you can't fix that then you can't fix you can't fix the numbers. No. I love the quote on your website, that Warren Buffett quote, because I've, I've used it a lot. And it says that, um, how's it go? Something, if you can't manage your emotions, then you'll never manage money. Yeah. And I think, yeah. well, brilliant quote, Linda. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is. And it's very, very true. And the other thing that I identified is, you know, business owners and also individuals, there's a lot of people that are there to kind of help and support. So you've got your accountants and you've got business coaches and business advisors and all those sorts of things. And then at the other end of this, at the other end, when you want to sit on the beach and drink champagne and enjoy the fruits of your labours, you've got some amazing financial advisors. But the bit that was missing was that bit in the middle. And that bit is called life. And that's where we screw up our money. So we can work really, really hard either you know, in an amazing job or our own business, but sometimes we don't get to sit on the beach and drink champagne because of the decisions 
that we make in the middle there and who's looking after you in that space. And that was where when I really looked at it, I thought, actually, no one. There's very few people who actually get involved in that middle part and help you look after your personal financial management. There are a lot of budget advisors out there, yes, but who's looking at it from that emotional aspect and the decisions that you make with money that gets you from point A through to sitting on the beach? So that's where I kind of, that's where I wanted to fit in. And that's the space that I love working in and working with clients in. You just put that so well, Linda, because, you know, that that space in the middle between knowing what we should be doing, what could be doing, and then the result where we want. But, you know, as you say, life happens, wow, in the middle. And it can be messy in the middle too, can't it? It can be very messy. (laughs) (laughs) But the other thing is that people want to enjoy what they're doing. They want to enjoy money. But there can be a lot of guilt tied up with enjoying money as well, can't there? Well, there certainly is. And um, and I am not a frugalist by any stretch of the imagination. And I actually get really quite angry with this whole concept of frugalism. And if you want to get ahead, you can't have the nice things in life. You know, you've got your Maslow's hierarchy and basically you can only live on the bottom two levels if you want to buy a house or uh, these sorts of things. And that makes me really angry because there's so much more that is higher up that hierarchy that is incredibly important to us in life and that's part of our identity. And if you're told you cannot spend money on something that is a huge value to you or a really important part of your identity, you're not going to stick to that plan in the first place. No. Because you're just undermining it. Um, and I hear I hear interesting stories. And it was actually a friend of mine who said they went along to a budget advisor and they were told that the first thing they had to cut out was their children's violin lessons because that money should go on their mortgage. Really? At that point, they got up and walked out of the room. Because for them, investing in their child's future, and, and I've heard their child play, and he is absolutely amazing, you know, there was no way that that was going to sit with them. But that's that very traditional aspect to a budget. Luxuries, luxuries, however that is defined, are the first thing that you get rid of. I completely it's, disagree. <laughs> yeah, I'm so pleased to hear you say that because for me, you know, the luxuries – being able to afford the luxury is is actually really lovely. It's lovely to have the little luxuries along the way. And I think it's possibly more important rather than to go, what can you take out is how does money work? How can you actually put money to work? How can you, you know, actually build your assets? And and maybe that sort of education needs to happen, isn't it? Because there's, you know, there's all the rule of 72 and there's there's all sorts of ways of, of actually making our money work for us. And that's good to know, you know, yeah. and obviously, and of course at the moment with low interest rates and all sorts of things going on, money's not growing very fast unless you know where to look where to look for it. Yeah, exactly. And I think the other thing too is is that we don't think about what we are spending. We just we we're so distanced now from money because I mean I don't know about you, but do you even have cash or do you just have cards? I actually do have some cash at the moment because my mother gave me some the other day because I went and yes. got some groceries or something for her. So she paid me in cash because she doesn't want to go on and do the online banking. That's the only reason I have it. 
Yeah. So, you know, when we when we used to go shopping and we had cash, we would hand over the cash and we would get something in return and we would get the pain and the pleasure would happen at the same time. Yeah. Now, because we online shop, we use cards for everything, we don't feel the pain anymore. All we get is the pleasure. Because, again, I don't know about you, but with online statements and these sorts of things, you don't even have to look at your credit card statement and get the pain of how much I've spent unless you go to use your card and it doesn't work. Then the pain comes home to hit you in a very bad way. We're (laughs) totally distanced from this concept now of money. And you've probably heard it too, the number of children who just think money literally is the hole in the wall. They've got no concept about mum and dad going to work to earn it anymore. We're so, so distanced from from money as to kind of its true sense of the meaning. Mm. Um, I had a, one of my daughters um, when she got her part-time job and she was at school and she wanted something that, and I said, well, you save up and you buy it. And she said, oh, no, I've had to work really hard for my money. And I <laughs> went, right, it's taken you eight hours or whatever to earn this amount, so what do you think we're doing? You know, and I just thought it was, it was, it gave a real ownership then and it was a real reality check that money doesn't grow on trees. Maybe that's, you know, our responsibility for that. But it was, I just love that statement because suddenly she knew exactly how much it was going to take her to get whatever it needed, you know, and and just just to see that. Yeah. How do you, how do you help people close the distance between the pain and the pleasure? Uh, It's all about awareness. And it's, it's, it is actually sitting down and putting yourself through. For some people, it will be painful because they're not numbers orientated. Some people absolutely love this exercise, but you actually have to look. Because the first thing that I will always ask um, new clients is, I would like you to write a list off the top of your head what you think your income is and how much you think you spend a month. Now, most people, most people do know what their income is. They know how much comes in. They will know probably how much their mortgage or rent is. They think they know how much they spend on food and other bits and pieces. And I will get a list that maybe has seven or eight items on it. And I will get from a, from a couple, they do it individually and they send it to me, they don't share. I will get two very different lists. Oh, then we go and we go back and we look what they have really spent and usually that list will be about 25 items long and there will always be something on there that they go good grief we had no idea we were doing that Mm -hmm. and that's how you bring awareness is you actually have to look to look at the numbers you have to look at the numbers nice well well done now, tell me, what is, what's a myth that you'd like to bust about what you do? Because, you know, a lot of us have thoughts, and you've sort of said a little bit about it, about budgeting and, and yeah. cutting out the luxuries, but do you have another little myth that you like to bust? I love to bust the one that financial management is boring. It's actually fun. Numbers and money and saving and spending – The whole gambit is fun. It's not just the spending. And I think that's the thing that I love to educate about the most is savings is fun. Money is fun. It should be fun. It shouldn't be something that you should be scared of. And that's probably my my biggest role is to bring fun into money. Oh, I like that. That's really nice. That's 
That's totally busting it open, isn't it? Because <laughs> <laughs> I think anyone listening to this go, really? And look, I can see I can see Linda's face for anyone listening at the moment, and she's very enthusiastic about that. So <laughs> cool. So um so what would be a guiding principle for you? What's sort of a theme that's been running through your life for the last, well, however long you've been either money mentalist or or even through your whole adult life? Um, I think the, the, the big theme, and it's becoming clearer to me with every, you know, every couple I work with and everything that I do, is that couples need to talk, they need to know how to communicate effectively about money, and they need to know how to do that early on in the relationship. Because if you get the stuff right early on, the world is your oyster. There is no stopping you. There is no holding you back. And then you can be amazing educators for your children as well. And you don't have to worry about this whole thing of money because you've got it sorted. You know how to talk about it. You know how to use it. You know how to save it. You know how to enjoy it. You know how to invest it. And if if you do that as a couple and you do it together, then it becomes, it's amazing. So do you help educate, um, you know, couples that are just getting going together, they're just starting to sort of um, on the, you know, marriage or relation, long-term relationship or whatever we want to call it these days? Um, so is that one of the sort of, I guess, your target market that you do? You yeah, like to I, to? I, I love working with millennial couples because once – once they, you know, I think millennials, poor things, get a bit of a bad rap about money. You know, they just have that thing where that's take, take, take. But it seems that once they dial in about money, and quite often that happens when they get into a serious relationship, they want to learn. They want to do it right. They want to achieve. They want to be successful. They want to communicate. And so when I work with couples who are like that, it well, it just makes my role so much easier and it becomes absolute fun and the results are absolutely amazing because they're at that point where they're so open and they really want to learn. Um, and so, yeah, I love working with people at that age. But also, I mean, I've worked with, I work with a lot of couples who've been together 10, 15 years and they've finally kind of gone, oh, I think we need to do something about this. You know, because they're starting to look forward about what they want to do in the future and they're kind of going, oh, we're not quite there yet. So, you know, it really doesn't matter where you are in terms of relationship. Usually there will be something in there. There's been very few people who have approached me where I've actually gone, I don't think I can help you. It's happened a couple of times, but most of the long way, when we have a conversation, I'll find something there that I can tweak or just do something a little bit differently that can make a big difference. Wow, that's so cool and just so, so, so important. I mean, I've got three daughters in their 20s and, you know, and and maybe not the best educator for money but I'm I'm you know instead of for birthday presents instead of we do this how about we give you some money to invest or how about that becomes your birthday present because it's like if I know now if they start now there as you say the world's going to be their oyster if Mm. they just know how to commit to it and just give them the the value of what you know, what that money can do for them in the future. Yes. And and also also with girls too and and young women, um, there's also still, uh, you know, a lot of that male-female divide too in the workplace and business. And the number of, of women that I talk to who kind of don't value their worth either 
and so you know when they come into a relationship they kind of bring that in, into play as well sometimes so I think with certainly with our girls and I do see it too with the guys as well but probably more so with the girls um, you know we really not, not only need to understand how to manage the money but also how to create it as well and create it in such a way that we don't feel undervalued that we actually feel valued and that applies to both men and women so I look at both sides. I don't just look at what we're spending. I also look at what's coming in. How are you generating it? What can you do smarter? And what else can you potentially do to generate more? Because it's not always about cutting back. It's about growth and expansion. Yeah, exactly. And fun. Don't and fun. the fun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you mentioned um, the Professor David Kruger before. Um, he's obviously been a big influence in your life. Has there any been any other people or books or things that you've that you've learned that have helped influence your where you are now? Um, probably David has certainly been the bigger one, the uh, biggest one. But another person that I, I absolutely um, love, and she's a behavioural economist for Morningstar, is Sarah Newcomb. And so um, in one of her books, she kind of outlined this sort of money plan system that she uses. And I must, I absolutely love it. And I've kind of taken that and, and incorporated some of her work into the work that I do as well. So behavioural economics, I really enjoy because it's kind of fun too. You know, why do we do the dumb stuff we do? Um, so there's some really cool stuff around there. Pretty much I will read, if someone says, oh, have you read this book about money? I'll go, oh, no, I haven't. And I'll, I'll go and find it and I'll read it. And sometimes I put it down and go, well, that was a load of rubbish. And other times I go, oh, that was really interesting. You know, what, what have I pulled out of this? And, and how can I evolve and how can I develop my skill set from what I'm reading from others around me? So, Linda, how do you cope when things get tough? You know, like, I mean, obviously you're, you're expert at having, you know, couples t sit down and talk about a really stressful topic or what can be stressful until they, until they have a whole new um, respect for it or for themselves mm -hmm. learning about it. But um, what can tend to sort of be um, pretty tough or push your comfort zone? And it could be around money or anything. I actually kind of, when I'm, when I'm sitting with clients, I'm very in the moment with them. But I'm also very good at when we've finished our session, it will always be on a high. I, I've, if I've got a client in tears, which sometimes happens, we don't stop until we've mopped that all up. And I'm sure you're the same with your clients as well. So by the time we kind of get to the end of it, I'm, I'm on this amazing little high. And quite often, I actually have to bring myself back down to normality. You know, when I've been working on Zoom with the office at home and, and Simon might be in his office working, he can always tell because I come bouncing out of my office like a little bunny rabbit. Sort of thing. <laughs> so that's, that's when I have the two dogs and they will say, come on, it's time to go for a walk. So I walk. I'll go for a walk down to the paddock, down to the bottom, come back up, refresh and re-energise, get back down to normal and, and kind of carry on. And if I'm feeling stressed, I'll do the same thing. I take the dogs, we'll go for a walk and we come back. So that's my big thing that I do is, is actually Just walking. change the scene and things change like that. Scene. Change yeah. the scene. Oh. Oh. Okay, so that's an easy strategy is just to get out into fresh air because a lot of the times I like to offer women um, strategies and solutions mm. for helping them so they don't stay stuck and things like yes. that. And I think just changing the situation, changing the environment that they find themselves in is so important too. Yes. Um, if you could go back and talk to your younger self, what advice would you like to give her? Oh, that's... Um 
I think, you know, if, if you'd asked me this question probably five years ago, I would have had a very different answer than I have now. Because if I look back over my younger self, good grief, I did some really dumb stuff with money. I was incredibly impulsive. I made incredibly bad decisions. But now I look back at my younger self and I would kind of go, well, go you girl, you had lots of fun doing it. You know, so, <laughs> and I still wear the jewellery that I bought on impulse. So, you know, I'm not going to look bad. <laughs> um, but I think I think for me it probably would have been um, as my younger self, and I think a lot of us have this, don't we? If we knew what we know now, twenty years ago, we would be probably certainly in a financial perspective, I would be a lot further forward than I am now. If I had known, and if there was a money mentalist around, for example, when I was going through the marriage breakup. I think it would have been quite different or before we got to that point, things would have been very different, but it wasn't. And so everything that I've done along the way, um, I probably wouldn't change very much of it at all. Yeah. And, you know, would communication be a big thing that you would like to um, talk to your younger self about? Because I know that you've been through some pretty challenging times in the last couple of years and mm. communication was was quite a big um, a big thing around money yes. and relationships, if you don't yes. mind me asking. Yeah. No, 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 that's fine. Yes, I mean, definitely communication is is huge. Um, and, and this is the thing, and, and going back to my own experience, as I said, when I broke up with my ex-husband 15 years ago, um, I came out of that $600,000 in debt. Um, and and we were in the situation where we were one a, a couple who was still in love when we broke up, but we couldn't fix the issues because the money issues had got too big and all of those sorts of things. So it was, it was, actually was a real tragedy that that relationship ended. And if we fast forward now, uh, ne nearly two years ago, um, I actually found out that he was terminally with cancer and was in hospice. And so I contacted him and and we I spent that last month with him in hospice and I was with him when he passed away. Now, I don't think many couples get the experience that we were able to have of being able to go back and look back in time from a point of no blame, nothing like that, but actually just go, what happened? How on earth did we screw that relationship up? What did we do? And the first thing that we realised was we were just bad communicators, not just about money, but about a lot of things. So we were able to have that opportunity to unpack and talk through a lot of those things that couples probably don't after they've broken up. And so going, going through that with Gaz and being there and realising good grief, this whole communication is so much more important than I had given it credit to. And that's why now it really is something that I really, really focus on when I'm working with couples. And I kind of, you know, I share that story because it's it's incredibly powerful. Um, look, who knows? Our relationship may still have broken up. In fact, you know, with other factors, maybe it would have. But knowing that we probably could have fixed the money, what difference would that have made? I don't know. But we came to the point of where we were both very much at, at peace with it. And, um, I mean, as you know, I've I've been in a relationship now for 12 years with Simon, my partner, and he was so supportive of me spending that time with an ex-husband. And, again, I don't know how many current partners would do that either. So, you know, I was able to do that and have that time and experience with Gaz because of the relationship and the strength of the relationship I have with Simon that he felt 
that that was something that I he knew that was something that I needed to do. So you know, there's there's that other kind of side of it now where we do communicate quite strongly, and seeing the difference between the two is is really quite interesting. It's not the right word, but it's the only one I can think of. <laughs> Well, thank you for sharing that because that is, uh, you know, and you you said something really important, you know, just said if how many is it is it all about the money in mm. marriage breakups and that's something to, you know, to really um, be aware of actually. Um, yeah. And, mm. and, you know, guys, if that's you, go see Linda <laughs> for sure. <laughs> so... Um, I love to ask this question. Um, I just thought I, when I started asking it, because I love the answers that everyone is giving me at the moment. And it's like, if you could have dinner with three people, alive or dead, who would it be and why would you choose them? Um, okay. Freddie Mercury, simply because Ooh. I love his music. Um, I love the band Queen and I would just love to sit and have a chat with them about music. Music is my passion. Um Elle McPherson would be another one. And that's because I think she's an amazing businesswoman and how she moved from that just the body model into being a successful businesswoman, I really admire that. Um, and the third one, um, gosh, that's it. Yeah, the two of them come, obviously. And the third one would probably be actually my daughter, Amy. And that's simply because we have such a great time when we sit and talk in conversation. And I think if there were two people I would like her to meet and learn from, it would be those two people. So I would bring Amy along as the third person. Oh, love it. Beautiful answer. Thank you. And it, it's quite an interesting thing, is it? Because I know in, um, I think it's Napoleon Hill's book, he sort of has, I can't remember what chapter is, chapter 13 or something. It's all about a virtual mastermind. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, when you imagine you know, just imagine the questions that you could ask people. And, um, mm. yeah, it's, it's quite interesting just who is inspiring to us and, and yeah. why. I love that question. That's cool. Mm. Now, Linda, as women who are remarkable, and you were talking about value before, yes. um, and I know some people hate this question, but I love to ask it because I – it's all about helping women build their value and their own currency and what they're doing. So what is remarkable about, you know, what you do and who you are? I think what, what it is is everything that I do, I give 100% to. So when I am with my clients, I am there, in with you, boots and all. I know what I'm doing. I know where I can help. But also equally as much, I know when it's not my area of expertise and I know when I need to find other experts. So I will never play in a pond that I'm not going to be able to add value to. Um, and then I think the other thing is that I can I, I bring that same level of passion and to my music and I'm developing my music skills. And so I think it's just the fact I'm constantly learning, I'm constantly doing things. Um, and every day I wake up in the morning and I'm so excited about what is today going to bring. And just before you go, what would be one tip that you would love to give to our listeners today? If you are in a relationship, go home, give your partner a big hug, a big kiss and say, honey, I love you, but we need to talk about money. <laughs> Great. Yes. And actually look at it in, its eye, look at it in the eye, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. 
And actually try and have some fun while you do it too. That could be, you know, I love that you said money is fun. Yes. And um, that's great. Thank you so much for joining me today, Linda. I really appreciate all the advice um, and strategy that you've been giving us. It's so important, as you say, to have couples communicating about money, um, educating about it, but also not hiding from it and actually learning how to have fun with it. I think you've really left me with that. That's quite an impression to have. So thank you so much for joining me. It's been my absolute pleasure. So that's Linda Moore from themoneymentalist.com. And um, if you want to contact her in any way, please do so. And I'll make sure that I put all of your details in the show notes um is that the best way to get hold of you so i should have asked that before <laughs> uh, that's right either that or just um, email me linda l-y-n-d-a at moneymentalist.com and i'll come straight back to you brilliant thank you so much linda i appreciate your time today you're welcome thank you for listening to remarkable woman radio for more episodes and more details of today's show please go to remarkablemindset.com. Let me ask you, what makes you remarkable?